Welcome to the Excel in Retirement Show, where financial planning becomes understandable. Your host, David C. Treese, is a licensed financial advisor who specializes in retirement income planning. David's desire for each of his clients is to have financial confidence, protection, and growth. We believe this is achievable with the right plan in place. Together, we'll build a plan specific to your financial goals. We work with clients all over, and we'd love to connect with you. Go to ClientsExcel.com to connect with us. If you'd like to speak with us, call our office at 864-641-7955. Thanks for listening. Now to the show. All right, we are back for episode 82 of the Excel in Retirement show, and I appreciate you listening here today. I hope you had a pleasant holiday season if you're listening to this in real time. Uh, We just celebrated Christmas, and I had to go to work this week. It's the week after Christmas. I had to go to work this week when many people take it off, but I just had to have some rest. So I went to work to get some rest. All those events around uh, Christmas and Christmas Eve and so forth really wear me out. It was one thing after another with uh, Christmas Eve services and Christmas Day events and and uh, our little girl, Amelia, she uh, she knows how to keep it in high gear all the time. But one of the gifts I received was a remote control car. And I guess I wanted to be nostalgic about my childhood. I had no idea, though, how much entertainment it can provide a three-year-old and our dog, Oscar. Amelia chased this car around the yard Sunday afternoon for probably an hour, and all the while, Oscar, our dog, tried to tree it like you would a squirrel, <laughs> and it was an hour of chasing a car, and uh, it was probably the best exercise that Oscar's gotten recently, and I tell you, he uh, if dogs could smile, he was sure smiling from ear to ear. It was great, so that's been a lot of fun, uh, but... That's a little bit about our holiday. Hope everything went well your way. Some people, they don't watch their retirement accounts too closely, I found, while they're earning money. They're not really trying to watch it too closely, and they're just kind of leaving it and forgetting it. They're on an automated plan, and they just try to... Uh, leave it and forget it. And that works well for many people. In fact, it may even be the best approach depending on your personality. If you tend to be anxious about things like that, that certainly can be appropriate when you have 10, 20, 30 years before retirement. But when you get within that 10-year window, it makes a lot of sense to start looking at it a little bit closer. When retirement is getting closer, it's common, though, for people to gain an interest in what their money is doing. Often people will develop a deeper interest, and it makes sense. It's wise to start adjusting your funds really as you get between 5 and 10 years uh, to retirement. I like to say 10 years, but at least 5 years out, it makes sense to begin looking at that closely and figuring out how you're going to generate paychecks when your work paychecks end. You want to figure out how much income you'll have. And I wrote a guide for tips about how to determine if you are ready to retire. And if you'd like for me to send that to you, just shoot me an email at connect, C-O-N-N-E-C-T, at clientsexcel.com. And I will drop that in an email to you. 
But when it gets within five to 10 years of retirement, the question then becomes, what is the market going to do? Because most people's 401ks and IRAs are invested in the market. So I'll share some thoughts along those lines today. Forbes, the online uh, website and magazine, had an article this year that asked the question, is the market about to crash? Now that's a great question to explore, so let's dig into it. Jim Stack, president of Whitefish Research and Stack Management, I believe he's a financial advisor, said, the parallels we have today are historically very, very concerning. The current froth is the icing on the cake. And you would, and when you look through it, you see a lot of other underlying issues. This sentiment has been shared by a growing number of market commentators, as I have highlighted in our podcast and newsletter over the years. And that has been a, it seems like it's gotten more prevalent here lately. Now, this Forbes article, it looks at 11 different metrics to gauge how the market is doing. And I'm going to put a link to it in the show notes. If you'd like to look at that article, you can just click in the show notes and it will take you right there. Now, the article began by saying, despite a steep 30% market correction last year in 2020, the longest bull market on record has helped the S&P 500 surge nearly 300% over the last 10 years. So despite that 30% drop last year uh, due to COVID-19, the S&P 500 over the last 10 years has surged over 300%. Roughly in line, the article goes on, or the quote goes on, roughly in line with the growth in the 10 years preceding the dot-com crash in the 2000, in 2000. So it's talking about the 1990s and how the market was doing. So that is paralleling, the last 10 years have paralleled the dot-com, the precursor to the dot-com crash in 2000. And after the article, or the quote continues, after which stocks plunged 40% over two years. Now it's talking about the dot-com crash. A major risk factor, as I see it, is how the government will unwind its bond purchasing program and how they'll unwind that and, and, and diminish it. The government began buying bonds and equities and lowered interest rates uh, last year in 2020 to help the economy combat COVID-19. And there has been much debate as to what the Federal Reserve will do next. They say they have penciled in three interest rate hikes or increases for 2022, and they recently significantly decreased the bond purchasing program. I believe it decreased another $35 billion uh, for the month of December. The expectations is that the program will end in the spring. Now, we saw quantitative easing used after 2008 to 2009, but please keep in mind that that program did not completely end until 2014. So that was a really long time. And so they are talking about winding this one down much quicker. They increased it much quicker. There was a lot of debate and back and forth, and we don't want to do this kind of thing before they started using these bond purchasing measures and dropping interest rates in 08 and 09. But President Trump immediately started quantitative easing or called for it, and the Fed did, and really got behind that quickly. And there's a lot of thought that that has caused our inflationary problem we have today. One of the problems, uh, one of the reasons. Hindsight is 2020. 
And many people hold the view that the government began stimulating the economy too much in 2020, and it has accelerated inflation. We are feeling the effects now on things like food, gas, and basic services. Have you filled up your tank lately? You may have noticed this. Figuring out how to lessen the inflationary impact will be on the government's priority list, I do believe. But I'm not sure they really have a good solution. And Jerome Powell, the head of the Fed, has uh, said that he wanted to retire using the word transitory, meaning that the inflation would be temporary, like he has been saying over the last year and recently in the last couple months came out and said that might not be the case. And so they are uh, seemingly out of arrows in their quiver. It's possible, though, that since the market tends to pre-price changes ahead of time, that the interest rate hikes won't have much of an impact. So it's possible that the government increases those interest rates they've been broadcasting for a long time now, and it might not have any impact on the markets. Since the market is forward-looking and tends to price in changes ahead of time, at least that's what the government is hoping for. It's possible that the market continues up and we don't see a major problem in 2022. That is completely possible. Keep in mind, if this is the case, I believe that our inflationary pressure will persist. That's why it is imperative to not sit on cash. We can't sit on cash because we don't know if the market may not go down. And if we're sitting on cash and the rate of inflation, like the government says, is 6 or 7%, then we're at least losing 6 to 7%. And that adds up over a couple years. It adds up over one year. There are two main reasons, though, to not sit on excessive cash. And I define excessive cash as more than one year of bill-paying money. So if you looked at your bank statement and you figured out what it takes to pay your bills and to feed you for a month, and you just times that times 12, I would consider anything over one year of bill-paying money to be excessive cash on hand. If we hold large amounts of cash, we are losing purchasing power. When inflation is 2%, this is not felt as easily or as quickly, but when it's 6 to 10%, it's going to be felt and it's going to be painful. The second reason that we don't want to hold excessive amounts of cash is nobody knows what will happen. There is no 100% correct speculation that we know is correct. And so that is why, because nobody knows exactly how this thing will turn out. And it's my belief that we have to make wise decisions with the information we have. And so that's why I'm trying to provide this insight and information to you today. Remember, after the 2008 correction, the government used similar measures, as we talked about earlier, as they're using now. The methods were slightly different, but some market commentators from 2010 to 2019 were calling for a market crash that did not materialize. I remember this time period very well. And many people were talking about the next shoe is going to fall and, and the market's about to crash, but that didn't materialize. If we had held cash through this decade, 
we would have significantly hurt ourselves. And the younger you are, the more it hurts yourself because you have more life to live where you've lost time. The biggest benefit to investing is time. The longer we have, the more we can earn. And investing takes time. We significantly hurt ourselves, though, if we hold excessive amounts of cash for a long period. There are ways to be invested and only experience gains if that is a concern for you. And this could be appropriate. The strategy could be appropriate for you for a portion of your portfolio. So there's ways to be invested and only experience the gains. And so it eliminates that downside risk. There's a difference, though, between gambling and taking investment risk. And that's important to understand and contemplate. Gambling is going to Las Vegas or Cherokee or Atlantic City or wherever you like to gamble or wherever you may think of and uh, and putting a, a, a quarter or a dollar, however it works, into the machine or sitting down at the table to gamble. That's gambling. And we know that those things are not in our favor. They are set up to not be in our favor. Taking investment risk is different than gambling, and there's ways to be prudent about taking risk being calculated. With the well-thought-out approach, the risk can be lessened in your portfolio. And as always, I would be happy to discuss how we help our clients mitigate risk. This is very important for a retiree or someone getting close to retirement because we want to have money that we can depend on. And so the key, though, is to have different buckets of money working different ways so that when different markets happen, we stand a better shot of coming out on top. If you'd like to talk more about this, you can always call our office at 864-641-7955. I hope to see you next week on the show. We'll be back then. Thanks for listening. Investment advisory services offered only by duly registered individuals through AE Wealth Management, LLC. AE Wealth Management and Clients Excel are not affiliated companies. Investing involves risk, including potential loss of principal. Any reference to protection, safety, or lifetime income generally refer to fixed insurance products, never securities or investments. Insurance guarantees are backed by the financial strength and claims-paying abilities of the insuring carrier. This podcast is intended for informational purposes only. It's not intended to be used as the sole basis for financial decisions, nor should it be construed as advice designed to meet particular needs of an individual situation. Clients Excel is not permitted to offer, and no statement made during this show shall constitute tax or legal advice. Our firm is not affiliated with or endorsed by the U.S. government or any governmental agency. The information and opinions contained herein provided by third parties have been obtained from sources believed to be reliable, but accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed by Clients Excel. The use of logos and or trademarks of podcast hosting sites are the property of their respective owners and are not an endorsement by those owners of our firm or our program.